Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chandelier Chats with Rochelle. So excited to have you all here. Today, we have an incredible guest. Her name is Lorraine Beeman. She is a career transition specialist. We are going to be talking all about transitioning from a corporate role or a job to entrepreneur status, what to expect and how to navigate these changes. So if you'll please join me in welcoming Lorraine. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully and I am so excited to be on with you and talking about my absolute favorite topic is people finding a career that makes them happy and, and fulfilled. So I'm just excited to have our conversation today. Woohoo! Oh my gosh. So for those of you who have never heard of Lorraine Beeman, Lorraine Beeman is just chock full of wisdom. She is a career transition specialist for a reason, and you get to have the firsthand insight of why she is the best of the best. And I'm so excited to, to have her here. So Lorraine, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us how you got into being a career transition specialist. Okay, it probably goes way back. Actually, um, when I was in high school, I got my first job and my first instinct was to help other people go to work for the same, it was a little um, ice cream shop. And I always found that I really loved helping other people find jobs. And that developed into working with students and then working with folks in the corporate world. And now I do it full-time as an entrepreneur, worked um, in post-secondary education to a lot of universities and colleges, paid me to do this kind of work. And then I went, oh, I want to do it my way and I want to do it on my own. So I became an entrepreneur about 10 years ago. Wow. Wow. And can you speak a little bit around what it was like transitioning to the entrepreneurial role? Well, the exciting part was I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to stay um, as a transition specialist. I wanted to meet with clients. The biggest shock, and remember, I had been doing this in, in the corporate and post-secondary education world for a long time. The biggest shock is that suddenly I had to do everything, you know, and I think the first couple of days out, I thought, where is my IT department? Because we all depend on computers. I had an IT department, I could call and they'd fix it. And suddenly I was in charge of figuring out how to fix my computer. And it kind of went from, from there. And so you, when you become an entrepreneur, especially in the beginning, if you're a solo entrepreneur, one person, suddenly it's not just doing what you love, but it's doing all of the other jobs that you have, um, that, keep a, that keep a business going. You are suddenly a business. You have to do the IT and the marketing and the advertising and paying the bills and the accounting department. So suddenly you become all in one. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be difficult for some people because they're, they're, as you said, you're so used to having someone you can literally just dial an extension or you pick up the phone and, Hey, this is going on. Can you help me with this? Or someone's taking care of payroll or someone's taking care of accounts receivable. I think that that's a, that's a big transition for a lot of people to make. And I think a lot of people mistake entrepreneurship as just oh I'm just doing what I love well yes but there are other components that need to happen it's you don't get to you know reach the certain status without putting in the work in all aspects and can you talk a little bit about the foundational pieces of a business and also entrepreneurship 
Absolutely. And I think, um, especially if you're going to continue doing what, what you love, we'll, we'll talk about that first, is yes, you're passionate about it. And usually folks that are going to become entrepreneurs go, well, it, and this happens a lot after you're laid off or terminated from a job, you're going, hey, I'm tired of working for somebody else. I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to be my own boss. And that is exciting. But take a deep breath and sit down. And while it's still fresh in your mind, everything that went on in your company, make a list of all of the functions that occurred in your, your company, because every single one probably affected you. And then making that list, you're going to go, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can't do that. And when you get to the, I can't do that. And it's, it's essential for your success. You find somebody else that can. And that's one of the things with being an entrepreneur is knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and then finding people who can help you compensate for those areas of weakness. You know, I'll admit mine is social media marketing, not doesn't excite me. So I have somebody who does that for me. That is her passion. She loves it. She lives and breathes it. And so being an entrepreneur, you are the boss. And as a boss, you're managing your resources. Mm. So is that, that kind of what you're thinking about? Yeah. And I think that's also very supportive because something, something I think people forget is when you become an entrepreneur, one of, and this is a bonus to me, and just hearing you say it just really helped this piece click into place for me as an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, you now get to have the possibility to create jobs for people. And, you know, yes, you're the boss and yes, you're in control and all of this sort of thing. But to me, that is really a foundational leg for for what I stand for and like having the ability to create new opportunities for people like you said social media and marketing is not your strong suit and the fact that you found someone who that's their passion you've now created a job opportunity for someone who's passionate about the thing you're dispassionate about I love that I think that's fantastic just to dig a little deeper into the details of, because you know, I love the details of um, how to, to do that. When we talk about creating jobs for folks, don't think, oh my goodness, I have to hire people. It's probably one of the biggest mistakes. Um, new entrepreneurs go, oh, well, I'm going to have this amazing business. We're going to be so profitable. I'm going to hire people. Look to people who have their own businesses doing what you need and contracting with them. Yes, hopefully your business will grow so large that you will, if you want, you'll have 50 employees and they will report to you. But in the beginning, um, contract with people, pay them by the hour, the project, however they want to be paid so that you um, have control over your finances. Because that's another thing with becoming an entrepreneur. You're excited about doing it. People love the way you do it. And then remember that marketing piece, you have to ha get people to come find you in the entire universe. They need to come find you. And so um, it can be rough. That's another thing is it can be rough those first couple of years. I've spoken to a few different entrepreneurs and uh, one of them in particular, she often reminds myself like, hey, you know what? I've been doing this for seven, eight years now. And I can tell you that there are still days where I want to quit. And I'm just like, oh, I want to give up. And this is just not worth it. Can you speak a little about a bit about the, the highs and the lows of that transition? Sure. I think the highs and lows is it's all on you. 
which means that you can't call in sick, especially if you're if clients and customers are dependent on you. Vacations are nice, but you schedule them around busy times or they're shortened. So suddenly, even though you, it's your business, you're in control, especially when you're started, you respond to your clients because you want to build up that rapport. You want to be seen as the go, go-to person. And so it can. I mean, you can put in a 12-hour day, be exhausted, and look at the revenues for the day and think, gee, I would have been better off working at the local coffee shop for tips than, than this. And so it's up and down. I think you want to stand, you know, step back and go, but how did I feel about my day? Did I enjoy being in control of my day? Did I enjoy being creative? Did I like the fact that if I wanted to take a coffee break at five in the afternoon or if, you know, at 11 in the morning, some, you know, just I was on my own schedule. And so for an entrepreneur, you have to enjoy that freedom. That has to be of great value to you because then you go, yeah, it was a rough day. Maybe I didn't make as much as I wanted to see as many clients, but you know what? I got to control my day. I got to make decisions. So, and that's one of the things when you become thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, especially if you've been laid off, you go, oh, I'm just going to be my own boss. Really think about you and how you feel about being totally independent. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're just out there in the world figuring out how it's going to work versus do you like the structure of someone else accepting the responsibility for meeting payroll, accepting the responsibility who can give you a break. And I think it's very attractive to start your own business. But before you take that big leap, you want to really look at what your personality is like, how comfortable mm-hmm. you are with that. Mm-hmm. And since, since you touched on that about what, you know, what aspects of a personality are really beneficial versus malefic, could you speak a little bit more on that? Sure. First of all, curiosity. You have to always want to be learning something new. And depending what you're doing, you need to be able to connect with people. Now, you don't have it to be an extrovert, but you need to be able to listen to what people want. Because if you're an entrepreneur, you're offering a service, you're offering goods, you need to listen to the input from, from your consumers. A lot of times entrepreneurs, you, you, well, this is, this is my product and this is great and I don't know why people aren't buying it. No, it's this is my product what do my, my customers think? Am I getting f- feedback? Because even though you think you're working on your own, you're an entrepreneur, if you're selling or marketing things, you have to have people come and, and purchase your, your service. And so you do want to know, again, that's part of that corporate, there was probably a division that was you know customer research, customer service, surveying, all of that. Companies know that they need to get feedback from their customers or they won't survive. And so that's something, you know, don't, don't be that, oh, this is the perfect service. You know, why aren't people coming? It, this is the perfect service. If people aren't coming, what am I not listening to? And if you're really, you know, first starting, have some friends who are brutally honest. You want your brutally honest friends to be part of your world right now. And you share with them what's going on and you tell them, okay, you know, from a consumer's point of view, what does this sound like? What does this, you know? And, and, you know, we can go off. Pricing is the big thing. 
you know, the pricing of a product, you know, do some market research. What is everybody else pricing it at? And I think touching on that is really important as well, because there's a lot of people that have a great idea and they think, oh yeah, this is a million dollar idea. Okay. Well, what kind of problem does it solve? Does it solve a dollar problem or does it solve a million dollar problem? So I think sort of clarifying that for, for ourselves is really important. And also having the courage to ask our friends and our, our family to be brutally honest, because a lot of our friends, while they're happy to be brutally honest with us, they also don't want to hurt our feelings because they know how hard we've worked to get here. So letting them know, okay, like I'm open to receiving your feedback about this from a critical consumer perspective, because if, if, you know, person A was a critical consumer, they would not hold back if they did not like something. They would say, oh, this was a piece of crap and I can't handle this. And, you know, I didn't like this feature. I didn't like that feature, but I love this one small piece. Okay, well, that one small piece is the piece you need to focus on. Not all the other jargon that was filled in. It's important to focus on what they didn't like, but it's also focus, important to focus on what they did like because, and correct me if I'm wrong, by focusing on what they did like, you can then sort of build from there. It's, it's like the grain of sand in the clamshell that becomes eventually a pearl. You are absolutely right. Focus on those things that your customers and clients want and maybe drop the things that they, they don't want. You get, go back and pick them up later. But the other thing as a solo entrepreneur, sometimes, and it's, it's the same in job search. Oh, well, I want a resume so that I can get, I'm open to any job. Well, uh, being open to any job or trying to, you know, make everybody in the universe your customer is it, just not a good plan. Do what you do well and find that niche. A lot of times people will start out and they um, have these grandiose marketing plans and I'll say, and they want to spend thousands of dollars on it. I said, well, how many clients can you handle in a week? Well, I can handle 10. I said, so you're, you're going out to the universe, develop your marketing program so you you know you target 10 people who are most likely to be your clients and again you're depend i mean if you're starting a multi-million dollar high-tech company that's one thing but most of us when we talk about being an entrepreneur we're really talking about you know having a, a small business you know a small number of, of of clients and so we want to think about how do we attract those folks how do we keep them coming back there's the old 80 20 rule which is just true across the board, 20% of your clients will produce 80% of your revenue. And so your goal is to build a network of folks who either use your services or are so impressed with you that they pull in other folks. Mm. I love that you touched on the niche. Can you talk about the importance of niche and clarifying your niche? Absolutely. And uh, I always like to use the, the medical profession as an example that especially when people are saying, oh, I want to make a lot of money, so I should have a lot of clients. If you look at, at least in, in the U.S., the reimbursement for physicians, the general practitioners are kind of at the bottom. And then at the very top are the cardiac surgeons and the neurosurgeons because they're very, very specialized in an area that goes across the board in almost all fields, um, legal. If you're an expert in an area in the legal world, you attract more clients, people are waiting for you. So if you can specialize in something and be known as the go-to person for in a specific area, 
you probably will never run out of clients. Could you also speak to the importance of hearing those no's? Because while you may find your ideal clients, how many times are you going to hear no before you finally get a yes? And what is the importance of that no? The no's are very important. One is it's a, a great way to get client feedback. So let's say the no is, um, let's say in my profession, you know, you're talking to someone and then you mention what your fee is and they said, oh, that's too high. Well, a couple of things. One is, is it too high or am I just not attracting the type of people for whom that's a comfortable salary? So no's are important. Either no, because, you know, you're pricing your product too high or your marketing is not going to the right people. And remember that, you know, there's a sales adage that every no is just one step closer to a yes. And so you have to, to evaluate your no's. Okay. But pay attention to the no's and don't, and that is the thing with being an entrepreneur. You don't go, oh, they said no, they don't like me. It's not about you, especially if it's a first contact with somebody. It's about the product, either the way you're presenting it, or the way you're pricing it, or Sometimes again, that your marketing, especially if you were doing that, you know, I want everybody to come. You had really generic marketing, you know, um, I'm the best career coach in the world. Call me, you'll find a job or something like that. And then somebody calls and says, okay, well, I need a job by tomorrow. And you go, well, I can't do that because you have in your enthusiasm to get clients, you have, you know, made a promise that you can't keep. And mm -hmm. so sometimes, so no's are very important get off the phone, take a deep breath and go, oh no. But then think about from that person's standpoint, why did they say no? You know, did they not understand what I was offering? You know, did somehow my, my pricing not fit them? Were they not my ideal client? And I know we're kind of getting sidetracked, but when you start a business, you want to spend quite a bit of time in your mind developing your ideal client. And it can be anything, but some of the things you want to talk about is, where are they age-wise? You know, am I attract, you know, does my product really appeal to 22-year-olds because it's a skateboard or it's a surfboard? And, you know, the, yes, some 80-year-olds go skateboarding and surfing. Probably not a huge target, you know. Let them be referred from somebody else. Okay, so age. What about gender? Is your product more attractive to males, females? Um, what does that look like? Where do they live? Is it somebody who is more likely to live in a city, in a rural area? You know, let's say you're selling farm equipment, probably not going to spend a lot of time advertising in New York City or, you know, trying to put a billboard up in you know, Times Square. Yeah. You're going to be looking at, you know, you're going to be looking at the Farm Bureau. Spend some time in your ideal client. You should be able to you know, write a, a bio on them, you know, grew up in the Midwest, high school educated, college educated, um, advanced degree. And then it's like your avatar. And as you start to develop your product, develop how you're going to share your product, you're going to look at your avatar and say, okay, what would this um, customer like to hear? How would they like to be approached? I mean, again, marketing, depending on their age, is it Instagram, you know, Snapchat, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn. I think that's also very important to consider because a lot of us want to just help everyone. As you mentioned at the beginning, you can't just, I can help everyone. And if actually unzipped the bag to everyone, you would be so overwhelmed. You'd be like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. 
more. <laughs> and talk about discouraging because if it was everyone, you know, one call would be this and the next call would be something else. And that is a reinforcement for why the niche, because when you call and somebody's in that niche, you have a depth of knowledge and connections for them. So you're really comfortable. This, I always get pushed back when people are start starting out. Well, I want to be, you know, I want lots of customers. So I'll, I'll be the generalist. And if I can convince them to be a specialist and share that, even like it with, within our world in terms of coaching, you know, I get a lot of referrals from other coaches because they don't do what I do. And I refer people to other coaches because the client wants something that I don't offer. So actually, even though, you know, theoretically all people go, oh, well, you're all career coaches, you're competitive. No, we're all different. It's like the doctor. If I'm the GP and you're the neurosurgeon, I have somebody who looks like they have a brain tumor. I'm not going to try and fix it. I'm going to send them to, to you. And if somebody comes in saying, oh, I have a brain tumor, I think I have a brain tumor and they go, oh, no, you really, you're, you're dealing with anxiety. I'm going to refer them to, you know, a, a counselor. So the niche works so well and it is it is so counterintuitive that so many people struggle with it for a really long time and so if you're out there thinking about becoming an entrepreneur why don't you take our advice start with the niche you can always go broad but the, the niche will get you the the clients that you want yeah thank you for sharing that and i'm curious once you set up your niche, once you know who your ideal client is and you know who, where they are and all of the, the intricate de details that go into that, can you talk about when you first have contact with that client? What are some things, some key points that you want to have in mind when you're first making initial contact with this client? So the initial contact is probably through social media and you want to not so much sell your product but sell yourself because think about it. You know, if you're faced with making a phone call to ask for help, you want to know that the other person on the end of the line is a nice person who is going to be supportive. And if you're that entrepreneur, you are the company. And so that's your brand. So make sure that your posts and all that are friendly and helpful, not hard sell and an invitation to connect with you pre pandemic. <laughs> and I think this is starting again, is to just actually go out physically and meet people uh, who might know your clientele, who might, you might have an overlap. You, you, you know, it's great to have a partnership. Let's say that I was in social media development. I would want to connect with businesses, you know, throughout the community and share with them, you know, social media is an important part. Let me take that off your plate. Can um, I give you a, a free 30-minute consultation? Again, building that friend, friendliness and that rapport. And then even though, you know, in the beginning, you think, how am I going to get clients? Clients refer clients. And so doing a really good job with those first few clients, they, it just snowballs and they refer mo more folks. I think that was a beautiful response to that question. And I'm also curious, I know that it's not your your strong suit in the sense of, of marketing, but who decides for you once you've gotten to that place where you can have people contract for you and do the marketing, who decides what your message is? Do you decide that or do you sort of leave it up to the guru marketer or how do you decide that? It has to be a collaboration. Everybody has a concept of how things should be done, which is great. That's why you hire the expert. But remember, it's you. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, even a small business person, you are your product. And so you want to make sure that you work with your marketing person to get that message clear. 
what's your niche that will save you a lot of time you take your avatar to your marketing person and say here is my my client and they immediately go oh you know, this is the age, this is the thing, this is what they, you know, that's their expertise. Like, this is my ideal client. And they'll go, oh, this is how we market to that person. But you want to have control over your message because once something goes out into the world, it's there forever. So it's a collaborative effort. Make sure that you seriously look at what they're going to put out for you and how they're going to put it out and what kind of follow-up you need to do and what kind of follow-up they're going to do. Because if you suddenly get 25 responses to a Facebook post, you need to know that you have to be on top of that or they're going to, to triage them for you. Do you think that it's important for people who haven't left a corporate role or a corporate job or a job in general who are in pursuit of entrepreneur endeavors, do you think it's important for them to maintain that steady employment while they build their business? Or do you feel that it's some people can just jump in on both feet or what, what are some credentials or necessities that are important for that? I think if you can manage it, maintain that um, stable income. And though some people are instant successes with their businesses, most people struggle for those first few years. And so if you can, you want to have a nest egg that will get you through two years of your expenses. That's ideal, doesn't always happen. But then you're not you have the luxury of, of your ideal client, of marketing, of developing the business that you want. If you wind up with no safety net and you have to scramble, then you will get those, you will take any client. And then over the years, you'll have to pare down to your niche and there'll be you know, a lot of, of stress. If you're still working and thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, yes, depending where you are, there. I know in the U.S. there's a program called SCORE, which is the Senior Corps of Retired Executives. All of their programs are free. They love to help people start businesses. Sign up for those classes. They're online. Read books on becoming an entrepreneur. And then start hanging out with people virtually or in person who do the kinds of things that you do. For me, a, a lot of my friends are resume writers. Well, there's the National Resume Writers Association those are all people who are resume writers and they work together and they have classes and courses to um, improve their skills. Uh, accountants have similar organizations. Probably just about any field has that. For coaches, um, International um, Coaching Federation. Again, there are organizations that will offer the, the classes and the support you need. Yes, educate yourself. It sounds romantic to start a business. The reality of it is a lot of hard work. And the more research you can do, the, the easier it'll be. I love that you touched on this as well, because my next question is actually around personal development. As you're developing into your entrepreneur status, how important is your own personal development journey? And how important is it for you to stay on top of your market that you are building? It's extremely important. And I know we've been talking about coaching and resume writing. So let's let's go to something like you've decided that that you're going to open an appliance store. You, you love appliances. You, you fixed them. You work for, you know, now you want to be on your own. Well, you know that every year new products come out, new brands, new technology. So for that person, they are constantly going to be one following the trends so that they know what's coming up. Because if part of their services is repair or installation, they need to know the new techniques, the new strategies. They need to know what the laws are in their 
different communities they serve in terms of wiring and all of that. So whatever your field is, make a commitment to continue to, to develop your skills and, um, and knowledge. Very important. You will get left in the dust if you don't. Other people in the, f the field will be the go-to because, oh, you know, I can just call Joe and he's going to tell me, you know, don't buy it this year, buy it next year. This is new technology coming out. It's going to save a lot of energy and power. So you need to be an expert in your field because that's what you've said is, hey, come to me because I'm an expert. You need to back that up. And for mm -hmm. some people, it's you can actually, you know, earn certifications and you use that as part of your marketing. Beautiful. And could you speak a little bit more as well on the personal development that occurs when you transition from working for someone else to working for yourself? Well, there's a couple of things that that happen. Um, if you have been in a busy office and you're suddenly, you know, most people start at home or, you know, they'll have a, a small brick and mortar. You are by yourself. That is a big shock. And yes, your, your clients come in, you know, if it's brick and mortar or you get... But they're not really folks that you want to share your your personal stories with, or you know the fact that you know PG&E you know is threatening to cut off your power because you're not paying. I mean, those personal things that you talked about with your coworkers, and even if you have a partner at home, which is great, there's only so much they can take. So again, we talked about professional organizations. Um, if you are a brick and mortar, or even if you're not, if you're a service. There's usually a um, chamber of commerce. There's groups of business folks who are in the same situation you are. You want to connect with them. You want to be able to sit across the table from somebody and just complain about, you know, the fact that the street was closed down for cleaning. And, and so it, it, you know, sent your customers away or, I mean, all of those things that you really want to, to talk about, express that you can't do with your customers. So you you want to find that support. Um, I, I actually belong to a small business group and we we just, a, a, a group of people who got together and we meet once a week and we just can get on and pour our hearts out and share our challenges with our businesses and everybody else kind of jumps in and um, offers support and advice. So you will need not just the you know support on running your business, you'll also need emotional support because it can be, a roller coaster ride. It's mm -hmm. a fun roller coaster ride, but there are some dips where you go, uh, or so high that you think, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to survive? Yeah. <laughs> Left my stomach at the top of this hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. I think as well, is it relevant for, especially for coaches? to share certain aspects of their story so they can be more relatable to their ideal client? Do you feel that there's re relevance there? I think an edited story. Um, yes, you wanna share the, the journey you've been on, but not get so deep into it that suddenly your, your client becomes your coach. So in other words, you can say something like, you know, um, for me, you know, I, I have been ups and downs. I've had been in companies that closed and all that. So I can share, you know, I've been on the, the employment roller coaster. I know what it's like for a company to close. I know what it's like to be laid off. I know what it's like to be passed over for a promotion. I mean, those are real feelings for me. And so, you know, together we can work through those. Um, would not go into great depth about any of the details of any of that, because in that, 
you know, pulls attention to me rather than um, mm -hmm. taking, focusing on the client. Mm -hmm. So yes, is, you want to share an overview of, of why you have something in common with, with your client, with the experience. And sometimes, especially in my, my field where people have been laid off, I can talk about that and we can actually get to the point where we laugh. Oh yeah, you're right. That was pretty, pretty dumb. <laughs> so, you know, and laughter is the best medicine as well. Absolutely. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, Lorraine, this conversation has been just so filling in my heart. And I honestly could sit here for the next 10 hours and just pick your brain from all of the wonderful wisdom that I know that you have. But I would love to invite you as we close, if you could share some final words of wisdom with our listeners and viewers. Sure. And I think my, my mantra or what I share with people is that take control of your career you are the only one qualified to manage it. And whether that career is as an entrepreneur or working in a company, some of the things that we've talked about is you are in charge. Yes, you want to share that responsibility. You want to ask for help, but it's ultimately your plan. And so if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, we talked about creating that avatar, but create your vision of where you want to be in five years or 10 years. And that will help you get through the bumps of, of each day because it is your career. You have a right to go where you want, but you're in charge of getting there. Wonderful. And I actually have one more question for Oh, I'd you. love another question. <laughs> As an entrepreneur, are you allowed to say no to your ideal clients? Yes. You are allowed to say no. And in fact, what we call it in my business is sometimes we fire our clients because again, you know, you're the boss. Yes, there are times when you know that a client is just not a good match for you. They may meet all the demographics, but there's something else. There's just that little message in your brain going, this is not going to be good. And at which time, I mean, I was funny about firing. You'll say, you know, this isn't a good match for me. And if you want to make a recommendation, that's great. But if the, the little red flags are going up and you're going, this is not somebody that I want to refer to anybody. So, you know, we're just not a good match. I, I want to wish you best as you move forward. Um, but I don't think it's going to work for us. Wonderful. Yes, oh, thank you. Take so much. on that toxic client because they will suck you dry. Yes. And that protecting our energy is vital, especially because that is um, big part of the exchange when we're coaching or when we're giving people our best. And, and I think that that's really, really important. So thank you so much for answering my question. <laughs> thank you for asking. It was just so much fun. You're welcome. And how can people get in touch with you? How can they reach out and connect with you, Lorraine? I would love to have people either visit my website, which is interviewtowork.com. It's, it's all about work. So it's the word interview, the number two, the word work.com. Or, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Lorraine Beeman. Um, luckily, I have a fairly um, unique last name, so you won't have a hard time finding me. I love to add people to LinkedIn, and I try to post a lot on LinkedIn on, you know, job search tips and techniques. Wonderful. Well, Lorraine, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for blessing us with your wisdom, and I look forward to the next time. Oh, I do too. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you.